A reading from the book of Genesis. After the man, Adam, had eaten of the tree, the Lord God called to the man and asked him, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? You have eaten then from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, The woman whom you put here with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and so I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, Why did you do such a thing? The woman answered, The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you shall be banned from all the animals and from all the wild creatures. On your belly shall you crawl, and dirt shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head, while you strike at his heel. The woman, the man called his wife Eve, because she became the mother of all the living. Verbum Domini. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, 
reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and without blemish before him. In love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ, in accord with the favor of his will, for the praise of the glory of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. In him we were also chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will so that we might exist for the praise of his glory, we who first hoped in Christ. Verbum Domini. Lexio Sancti Evangelii secundum Lucum. Angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Verbum Domini. Today we celebrate the great solemnity, the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. <clears throat> this is describing her conception uh, and her parents, uh, Joachim and Anne, by a special grace she was given to be free from all taint of sin, original sin. And we see in Mary, in this work of God's grace, that God is doing something new here. He's acting in human history was something profoundly new. And on a natural level, we like new things. We live in an age of technology, and maybe this has fed the growing atheism we see today, that it promises solutions, a better life, which is all good, but we can focus on that and push God aside. New is better. We like newness in our movies and media, surprise, twist, and ending, plots, new dialogues, and things that catches our attention. And I think we're wired that way. When we come across the true, the good, and the beautiful, there's this surprising aspect. We learn some new truth. It's always kind of out of the ordinary and surprises us. Beauty, see something in nature, surprises us. An act of virtue, an act of love, forgiveness, gets our attention, right? We're wired. For that, <clears throat> and we see in the fall, even though they didn't have this section today, but Eve looked at the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and saw that it was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that it was desired to make one wise. And she took that, the catechism describes that sin as a desire to be like God, to be like God without God, <clears throat> to take that prerogatives on our own to determine good and evil, the knowledge of the tree of good, and evil, of good and evil. We can't make the law. We can't change the law. The new law of the gospel 
the law of grace brings that natural law that comes from God, the divine law expressed in the natural law through reason for us is brought to perfection, to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That newness that Jesus offers us. The sin in the garden, the original sin, brings corruption. It brings death. And we are born under the power of sin. St. Paul describes us as children of wrath. We become slaves of the devil in a very real sense. So we can't get out of that ourselves. We need God to come in and to break those bonds, to renew us from within. It's not just for pretend, for make-believe that Jesus died on the cross. That has a, a real impact, a real effect on us and our inner being, that we're given grace back. In original sin, the account we have in the first reading is the loss of that grace. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. We're going to say that in the creed. We say it every Sunday. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. That shone out so beautifully in the first Sunday of Advent. Isaiah 63, rend the heavens, O Lord, and come down. Tear open the heavens and come down. Save us. We can't save ourselves. And Jesus does come down, and he renews. Revelation 21, And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. That's what he did through his paschal mystery. Offered to us in the sacraments. That paschal mystery is represented to us to transform us. Ephesians 4, 22, Put off the old man that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new man created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man, leave death behind, leave sin, corruption, fallenness. St. Cyril of Jerusalem would say that death came through a virgin Eve. It was necessary that life should also come through a virgin. Mary is the new Eve. She becomes, as Eve is described, as the mother of all the living. Mary becomes the mother of all the living, this new life in Jesus Christ. She's mother of the church. In Mary, we see what God's grace could do in us. We see the newness of the new covenant. You look up in the gospel, I mean, in the catechism about what is this new law? It's about God's grace giving to us. It's about the Holy Spirit bringing us that grace. 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what we're celebrating today. Mary's, God's work in Mary. 1854, we have this dogma solemnly proclaimed and defined. And the, the dogma reads that we declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the most blessed Virgin Mary in the first instant of her conception by a singular grace 
and privilege granted by Almighty God in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, she was preserved, free from all stain of original sin, is a doctrine revealed by God and therefore to be believed firmly and constantly by all the faithful. She's redeemed in a preemptive way, in a special way, a singular grace, preserved not by our own merits, but by the merits of Jesus Christ. God is outside of time. Time is part of his creation. The material world and time, he creates that. There's a beginning and end in time. He's in eternity. So those merits of Jesus Christ are applied to her in this special way, this pervenient grace, the prayers say, for the Mass. It's God's work. And the supreme reason for this special privilege is her divine maternity, that it was fitting and so wonderful. The dogma reads, so wonderful a mother should be ever resplendent with the glory of most sublime holiness and so completely free from all taint of original sin that she would triumph utterly over the ancient serpent. That's the good news here, even in the first reading from the Old Testament, Genesis. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. So we have the fall, and then we have these punishments, and then we have this hope. The offspring, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. So Mary is the mother of this offspring that will have victory over Satan. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the victor. The dogma also continues, Mary is more excellent than all and by nature fair and beautiful and more holy than the cherubim and seraphim, surpasses all creatures above heaven and earth. She is the model, the pattern of holiness. She'll be assumed into heaven. She shows us the way. This beautiful dogma, you know, we've had, we've gone through a period in church history where, like in the 60s and 70s, you know, dogma was minimalized. Conscience was exalted over that, that we told that we know what we need to do. Why do we need dogma? Why do we need law? Why do we need rules? And it's true, we need to follow our conscience, but it needs to be informed. It needs to be informed that I need, I need God's grace. I need his teachings. I need to seek his will in my life. Our plans, our desires tend to be self-centered. And we can see the result of that. The Catechism, paragraph 725, finally through Mary, the Holy Spirit begins to bring man objects of God's merciful love into communion with Christ. And the humble are always the first to accept him. Shepherds, the Magi, Simeon and Anna, the bride and groom at Cana, the first disciples. That the Holy Spirit still is working through the church through Mary today to bring those to Christ, to bring us together. 
So the first words of the angel we see in the Annunciation scene is rejoice. Be translated hail or rejoice. Rejoice care. It's a, you know, it, it's a play on the words that her name will be Keketaratomene, full of grace. That same kare, that word joy linked to grace, rejoice. And this is the same word used in Old Testament prophecies about the restoration of Israel, you know, being brought back from the Babylonian captivity, rejoice, this good word of restoration of the coming Messiah. And we can say joy is the first word of the gospel. Joy because it's what God is doing here. Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion, shout, which, shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem, behold, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious as he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Speaking of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, rejoice is God's work. So Mary is addressed as full of grace by the angel Gabriel. She's chosen and destined to become the mother of God. And the word in the Greek is a passive participle. And as you all know, passive participles well, right? This means that we were made full of grace. I got to read this every year. I always forget what this means. <laughs> made full of grace. It's a past action that's completed, but it is still existing today, at this moment. It's a gift given to Mary, and it continues. So it's not just referring to her conception of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, but there's something about her that she's made full of grace, something done in the past, filled with grace. Ephesians 1, 6, the second reading today, for the praise of his glories, of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. That's what Jesus is doing for us, the same thing. In fact, that same word used to describe her doesn't say hail Mary, it says hail full of grace. In Ephesians 1, that same word in the Greek is used to describe us in Jesus Christ. But Mary received the first fruits of that redemption and her conception from the moment of her conception. And naturally from that, she never commits a sin the entirety of her life. Ephesians says that he destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Grace, gift of God, participation in the life of God. That's something new. Our plans, our designs have led us into sin. If we're open to God's grace and his will, we have the glories of his grace. We have this new creation that we see in Mary.